0: Hi, I'm Linise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat, Love, Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods, and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode of Period Story, I'm so happy to share my candid conversation with Ariana Raji Lee, the founder of Pasha Mama London. We had a fantastic conversation about birth control, how Ariana transitioned off the pill, the importance of being open and honest about what you're going through, Ariana's fertility journey, and of course the story of Ariana's first
1: period. I can't wait for you to hear this episode.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the
1: show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really interesting to be on this side of the podcast this time, being interviewed.
0: (laughs) Let's get started and get into the first question I always ask my guests, which is tell me the story of your very first period.
1: Yeah. So I don't think it was a great one. I don't think it was anything to necessarily kind of like ride home about. I mean, I knew I was 13. I knew I was a little later than a lot of my friends. Um, I remember there being a lot of blood. I remember being in a bit of pain and I remember I wasn't at home. Um, we were, I think, at a family friend's house and my sisters were there. They're, they're much older than me and my mom was there. And I went to the bathroom and I was, and I just saw loads of blood and I was like, fuck, mom. And I think I screamed for her. And then she came and, and then she was kind of like, okay, let's, let's, let's get you home because we weren't really prepared for it. Um, and I I do distinctly remember her kind of mouthing to her friends, like, she just got her period. <laughs> Which then I think, because it was so hush-hush, it kind of made me feel that way about my period, I think, for a very, very long time. Um, so that was like the first... I remember that was distinctly the first day I got it. But other than that, I don't really... I, I remember my period in a really negative way um it was something that well, I never really spoke about um I went to an all-girls boarding school which um for you know a hundred likely a hundred percent of the girls there were having regular cycles or irregular cycles but cycles of some sort and Aside from complaining about it and calling it the curse and using it as an excuse to get out of stuff, I don't really remember talking about it in any sort of positive way, which I think now is absolutely mental
0: so you okay so just take a step back and say so your first experience was at the at a family friend's house when you got your period, and your mum whispered to her friends about it, probably to try to Keep it discreet, but also maybe not to embarrass you. Although it's funny because I've had other guests on the show whose moms, she's just got her period and shouted it out to everyone. So you had a a different
1: experience. Yeah. And to be fair, I think if my mom had shouted it out and like made it some sort of celebratory thing, I would have been angry at her. So (laughs) it was a lose-lose situation from the start.
0: When you got it, did you have any sense of what was happening to you?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean it was a really long time ago and I I have a terrible memory for the finer details of stuff, but I don't I mean yes, I mean in biology we kind of learnt about, you know, I remember ovaries and fallopian tubes and and, and how the, you know, how the egg comes down, but aside from that I I don't really think I recognized what it meant at the time that it was a, you know, you know, starting your your womanhood journey you know breaking a, you know breaking into the different state next st- phase of your life I don't think that it was ever discussed or thought about in that way either at school or at home um, so it was never something that made me feel necessarily good if that makes sense.
0: Yeah so you were at an all-goers board in school and again your experience is really interesting because i think about a guest that i had on last week's show the last week's show that just came out um and she was saying that she went to an all-girls school and she felt really empowered by her period and it was just talked about like it was a normal thing so your experience is quite interesting in that it was very negative and mm-hmm. it was talked about like the curse and you I don't know. I just wouldn't expect that from an, an all girls school.
1: Yeah. Neither would I n- thinking about it now. And maybe I'll have some, some of my school friends listening and being like, no, that's not right. I had a really good experience. We talked about it all the time in a really positive way, but I honestly don't think that was the case. And maybe it was just that way for me, but I don't, you know, I don't remember, you know, n- now I sit down with my girlfriends and I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a week away or like, I'm in dead of winter. I'm on my period. It's very, you know, I I kind of, I kind of tell people where I'm at because I have a better understanding of what that then means for my moods and my behavior. And I can inform my friends and my husband. Whereas back then it wasn't spoken about at all. It was just like, yeah, I'm on the curse. And that's, that was kind of it. Um, and I think maybe maybe it's because like the school that I went to was relatively traditional, it was pretty old school, um, so it wasn't necessarily that open about these sort of topics and, and bodily issues that not even issues, just bodily functions that um, are can be seen as a little bit icky, but actually completely normal.
0: Mm. So you had you, you grew up with this idea that certainly in your teenage years that having a period was like a curse because that's the, the language that was used around it so then talk about what happened with your relationship with your period as you graduated from high school and then went into you the next phase of your life
1: I grad how old is high school like 16 like secondary eight. secondary school okay so yes yeah, so 18 right mm-hmm. sorry um up until those kind of late teens, early twenties, my period was was always quite quite a rough time. I remember um, just having a lot of, like, just having a lot of pain ju- just before and during, um, and um, yeah, still not feeling particularly comfortable with it. Which is a really tough thing if I think about it now. From thirteen all the way up to that age, it's, it's really hard to on a regular basis have this happen to your body that you're not really that comfortable with. Mm. Um, and that makes me now feel quite sad about it because I have a completely different relationship with my period now, but then I, in a kind of like when I went to university was kind of the same, really. I mean, it was just, it was just a, a, a kind of not nice thing that happened. Um, And it wasn't until sort of early 20s when I met my now husband, boyfriend at the time, that I actually then went on the pill. And that almost, I mean, that changed absolutely everything for me.
0: What made you go on the pill? Was it contraception or was it to regulate your period?
1: It was a bit of both, I think. I mean he was my first sort of like long-term boyfriend. So I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's go on some sort of contraception. Um, but also the way that I think the GP at the time had described it to me, it was like, uh, you know, it will help manage the pain. It will help, um, regulate your period. It may even stop your period. Cause I went on the, the mini, the mini pill. Um, and so I was like, yeah, tick, tick, tick. Let's try this thing. Um, I went on the non-mini pill first and that didn't really sit well with my body. I remember like my boobs just got really, really big and I felt even more uncomfortable. Um, but then I found one that really suited me and I was, and I stuck with it for like 10 years. And did you, you didn't have any issues at all with it? I didn't have any issues at all. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't have a period. So for me, coming from a place of, you know, my period is this actually really painful, really inconvenient kind of gross thing to not having it at all. I actually was, I felt so liberated. And I had, I remember over the years, you know, people saying, but you're, but what about all these, you know, these hormones that you're like pummeling into your, these artificial hormones that you're pummeling into your body. I was like, yeah, but hello, no period. I feel amazing. Blah, blah blah. I felt really kind of constant because I guess I would because I didn't have estrogen peaks or progesterone highs or whatever. So so, yeah, it felt at the time like exactly the right thing that I should be doing.
0: So ten years without a period at all. So ten years is a long time. It's a
1: really long time.
0: Yeah, and to go from having these periods that you said were you know affected you quite a lot were painful were heavy to then 10 years so actually going into your adult life without a period and then when you so presumably at some point you stopped taking the pill talk about that what happened there what what was the decision around deciding to stop
1: so that that was really interesting and and um I listened to one of your more recent podcast um, with one of your guests and they said that transitioning off the pill was a total breeze and she didn't feel any different and I was like that is not my experience (laughs) Um, so I decided to come off because my husband and I um we got married a couple of years ago and we were like okay we're gonna try and start a family let's try and start now um I've been talking about my, <laughs> my period and coming off the pill for a while at, um, at Pasha Mama. And it's been a, it's been a, it's been an ordeal. It's felt like an ordeal for me. Um, so I came off last October and, but I specifically went to my GP and I said, if I come off the pill, how likely is it, you know, how quick can we get pregnant? And he was like, it's almost immediate. So I thought, Okay you know, it could be almost immediate, you know, you're, you know, you hear all these, hear all these things, you read all these bits online and it's like, you're most fertile when you immediately stop your contraceptive pill, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, great. I'll just come off and we'll just have loads of sex and I'll be pregnant within <laughs> within months. Um, but I, I I mean, it didn't happen like that. It hasn't happened like that. Um, I came off the pill. I remember literally the day I stopped taking it, rushing into boots and buying a fuckload of tampons, a fuckload of pads, um, expecting it to come literally any day and not really remembering or knowing how to handle it, just knowing that it wasn't a good experience, it's heavy, it's painful, so just stock up on Feminax and be prepared. Um, But it didn't come for two weeks it then didn't come for four weeks. And I was like, Oh God, this, some I've, I've done something wrong. I've done something to my body here. It's kind of freaking me out that why isn't my period coming? I, I come off the pill. The GP said, you know, these things, it will, it will, everything will kind of go back to normal. It, it just didn't. And so I really sort of started to panic and then wondered maybe people were right. Maybe I was on the pill for such a long time, putting all these drugs into my body that I've done something awful. Um, And I spoke to a friend of mine who was in a very similar situation. She'd been on the pill for eight years. I think Um, she'd just come off it. She hadn't had her period for two months and her GP had told her it can take up to six months to get your period back. So I was like, I was kind of annoyed. I was relieved, but I was also really pissed off that my GP hadn't been hadn't like disclosed the full information about coming off the pill. Um, And then I was really really I think I think it was almost supposed to happen this way because then when my period did come after two months I got it in December just bef- at a friend's wedding I remember that um I was so relieved I was so relieved I, I actually cried I think a little bit I was like thank god I'm bleeding and for the first time I was actually like grateful that I had a period because it was just meant that I hadn't totally fucked up my insides and and things, things are okay. And thing, you know, it's, my body is doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I had this like massive wave of relief and sort of gratefulness about my period, which I had never, ever really felt before.
0: Wow. There's so much unpacked <laughs> there in what you've just said. So, you know, the fact that your GP said that you would get your period back, like, instantaneously or within two weeks. It's just, I mean, everything I know about this is that you should really, it can take up to six months, sometimes even up to a year to get your period back because you've just been, you've been suppressing ovulation in your menstrual cycle for so long that, you know, it stands to reason that, you know, it's 10 years of not having a period. It would take time for your body to, understand that well firstly for the pill to actually come up, detoxify out of your system but also f- for your brain to then know oh okay it's time to you know restart the engine start <laughs> time to restart that uh, estrogen and progesterone production um so I'm really sorry that you you went through that because that's really, it's traumatic because you had this expectation that you were going to get your period and then you were going to start your fertility journey. So talk about what happened after you got your period. So two months after you stopped the pill, what, what happened after you got your period?
1: Um, so I got the first bleed, I guess, after 10 years. And then and then i thought okay it's going to kind of go back to normal it took a really it took another 6 months i think for me to become regular so my first cycle was about 50 days the second one was 40 then it went down to 30 and now it's somewhere between 21 and 30 or whatever it's still it's i can kind of expect to know when it comes but it's still i still convince myself that i might be pregnant at the end of every cycle which is in itself exhausting mm. um But I'm a type A. I like to, I'm I'm a real planner. I like to like have all the facts and figures. So um, I did a lot of listening to kind of period stories. um, And a book that kept coming up over and over again was Maisie Hill's Period Power. So I read that um, during that first cycle. and, And the way that she talks about harnessing your hormones and the different phases as as seasons. I kind of read the chapters on the seasons as I was kind of going through them. And I basically just tried to clue myself up on as much information about what is happening to my body at different stages, which has been absolutely amazing. Like I feel so much more, I've gone from this sort of feeling of really sort of insecure and, and almost naivety and ignorance around what happens to my body to feeling completely empowered and quite excited when I get my period or I'm at a certain stage and I kind of, I kind of understand what's happening, or at least I think I understand what's happening. And then I can sort of live my month in ways that best suit me so i guess since that first period i've just been on this sort of like learning journey about what happens to your body and kind of what it needs for everything from sort of the way you work out to what you eat and how you should work Mm. um and you know these aren't necessarily like hard and fast rules but generally speaking yes when you're in the menstrual phase you should take exercise that is slightly lighter but then yesterday i woke up i'm on my period right now yesterday i woke up and i really needed to go for a run so i did so obviously you know it's 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 very dependent on on how you feel that day but just knowing that i can listen to my body and do what it needs and be okay with it if if not moving is is a is what it feels like doing today then that's okay whereas before i think I never really had to think about that because I never had a period. So I didn't have the peaks and the lows and the, and the changes. So I just was like, go, go, go the whole time. Mm. So yeah, I think I basically just learned a shit ton about the way that I am because I was also quite nervous about <laughs> who I was without the pill. I still am. I think I'm, I I think I'm a bit of a psychopath now. I'm not going to lie. Literally <laughs> like, it's it's really it's really difficult to sometimes regulate. What I don't like is this sort of Jekyll and Hyde situation that I can sometimes find myself in in the run up to my period. I find that really hard to manage. There are some things that I you know I really still I'm I'm st- struggling with the way that my body just changes. It just changes shape. It looks completely different in one part of the cycle to the next. So. I'm learning and I'm learning to kind of love the bits I don't like as well. But yeah, that's basically what I've been doing is, is just trying to get as much information and live, a, live the, the cycles, the way that would make me feel the best in each of those different parts, if that makes sense. I feel like yeah. I just, I don't even know if I answered the question. You <laughs> don't remember what the question
0: was. <laughs> no, you did answer the question and I, you said something really interesting there. So you had, 10 years of being completely kind of level, the same, not having the highs and lows. And now you're experiencing the highs and the lows and, you know, sometimes the highs can be high and sometimes the low can be low. And what I like to say to the women I work with is that the lows, they don't have to be low. You know, you can, you're never going to be as level as you are when you're on the pill but it can be kind of like a gentle rolling hill of emotion. It doesn't have to be kind of like this mountain summit of like the summit and the the kind of um uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for you know the the bottom of the the, the valley the, yeah, yeah the valley yeah, yeah, exactly um, so that's been a really interesting transition for me for you emotionally learning who you are off of the pill. And if you think like, I just want to go into that a little bit. So if you compare Ariana on the pill to Ariana off the pill, what would you say the biggest differences are?
1: It's a really good question. I mean, now I feel a lot more feminine not that i didn't feel feminine before but i definitely feel a lot more womanly i guess and i and i and i say that because not that i didn't feel that before but i definitely feel like that now so i must have there must be a shift there somewhere i think because i can almost relate to women generally more now given that i have my own cycle whereas before i I, I, I couldn't because I, I didn't understand it. I didn't experience it. Whereas now I I definitely feel that sort of feminine energy, I guess. I definitely feel a lot sexier at the good parts of my cycle. <laughs> um, and I, I definitely feel more empowered because by nature of learning and, and gaining that knowledge about what happens to me and my body, I feel... A lot stronger and I like to kind of share that share that wisdom because I even though I'm only learning about it now I have friends that have had their they never went on contraception and they've had their periods for their entire lives but they don't they still don't necessarily know the intricacies of of what happens to the different parts of their body and you necessarily like what they should eat or how they should you know or what's recommended that they do so i like to kind of to kind of share that i think that the uh, the highs are definitely more i guess potentially meaningful now given that it's it bounces like you know it goes up and down a little bit i think probably more frequently than before i did say that to my husband i was like i was like have I always been like this or um, is it just more noticeable now? And he's like, I think you've always been. This. <laughs> so maybe it actually hasn't changed that much, but I'm just maybe a little bit more sensitive to it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I definitely think compared to before, I feel, I definitely feel a different type of energy and I definitely feel a lot more empowered and in control of my body in a way that I wasn't before.
0: Mm. Empowered and in control. That's. I think those are really strong, important words. I want to just touch on something you said about your husband noticing the changes in you. And what is really interesting is there's some research that shows that women who have met their partner when they're on the pill, um, if they come off the pill, they notice that they might feel differently towards them because the pill suppresses those pheromones that attract us to uh, our partners. And I know you met your now husband when, before you went on the pill, but thinking about your relationship with him, did you, do you notice any differences with regarding that? So being on the pill and now being off the pill?
1: that is so interesting i didn't know that at all about the pheromones and i i i i was actually really nervous about coming off i said to you know i said to him on numerous occasions i was like you may not like me like how is that going to work um but um no i mean for anyone who's met my husband he's he's the most incredible man um and i don't say that lightly he's you know made me a a a, a much more kind of nicer and grounded person but I don't think it's changed um, anything. I think he may have noticed that I can get more sensitive about things around certain times of the month, but we're pretty open about it. I tell him, okay, I'm, in autumn. So I'm a, you know, I track everything or at least I try to, or I look at, look at, look at the cycle and and it tells you when you might be PMSing. So I just give him a forewarning. I'm really (laughs) tempted to put my, my cycle days in his diary so that he's aware. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's pretty good like that. He's pretty chilled, chilled out person. Um, so he can, he definitely knows how to, how to, um, I guess, I want to say handle me, but that's just a terrible way. Just how to, how to give me space when I need it and how to comfort me when I, when I need that. But actually, if anything, I think I've definitely, definitely got a higher sex drive now that I'm off the pill. That's definitely something that I should have mentioned before. So for us in that respect, it's also been great. Um, and that's why I say when I feel when I, I think maybe what I meant when I'm saying, I feel a lot sexier is that I, I definitely have that, um, libido back, which I think sometimes the progesterone only pill can, can sort of diminish. So, so yeah, no, thankfully he still likes me and we're still happily married.
0: (laughs) And in terms of your sex drive, so you've got, you said you've got it back. And the diff, what are the differences that you notice? Is it more, you are more likely now to initiate sex or your orgasm stronger, more, um sustained. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I just find that I yeah, I, I want to have sex more often. Um and I'm likely the one to initiate it most of the time. Um orgasms have always been pretty intense, so they've been good. I haven't noticed, I don't think, any sort of major shift in that. But in terms of just when I feel like having sex and like wanting sex has definitely been on the up since I've come off the pill.
0: Okay. And now I'd like to just talk a little bit about your, the fertility side of your story. So you come off the pill nearly a year ago, you got your period back two months in, and you described how at the end of every cycle, you have this this anticipation of potentially being pregnant. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing to support your fertility?
1: Yeah, um, not much to be totally honest. Um, I the first few months of coming off, so I got my first. I came off in. I came off the pill in October. I got my first pill in December, and then I remember I said it. it the cycles were really, really long. Mm. So it's only sort of in around uh, April, May. I'd say May even of this year. So only a few months ago have they really started to sort of regulate. So it was kind of giving my body a bit of time to adjust, um, and kind of get back into a more, um, I guess, um, regular cycle. Mm. Um, I said, I did nothing. I've just remembered I've been, I I took loads of supplements. So, um, (laughs) So like I said, you know, I'm type A, I'm literally like, okay, what, what do I need? What do I need? What can I get? I remember that meeting that I had with the GP, he was like, if you want to, just before you start and when you get pregnant or just as you're trying and, and, and when you get pregnant, you need to take folic acid. So I bought folic acid and I was kind of taking that for a while. Um, and then, um, Somebody had recommended some some fertility supplements, which included folic acid. So I so I took that instead. Then I bumped into another friend who said, "Oh, I take these sort of other sachets, and I, you know, it's actually for PCOS. It's for it's for women who suffer with PCOS. But they've, you know, uh, all my friends have taken them, and they've been pregnant within three months. Why don't you take that?" So I was like, "Okay, why not?" and then it was like i was doing the basal body temperature i was peeing on ovulation sticks there was a month where i basically felt like some sort of stuffed turkey literally i would like it was just it was way too much and i was like okay you need to chill out to the point where like i'd be like i said to my husband i was like right we need to have sex like we need to have sex today and it doesn't work that way you know you know i work late he works much much later so to even to just try and switch off from work and try and have sex because you have to, that's, it just doesn't, it literally doesn't work. (laughs) So I think I became this sort of like trying to conceive monster. I was so extreme just trying to do all of the things and trying to get it right, because that's how I've almost been. That's, that's how I do everything. If I really want to get, if I really want to do something, then I'll, I'll work really hard to do it and I'll, and I'll do it. Unfortunately, you know, with work and with whatever it is, unfortunately in this situation, it's not a whole lot I can do. It's a, it's a lot of this is out of my hands and I'm a major control freak. So to give up that control, to just try and just let it happen organically and naturally is a real challenge for me. And I think that I do it Every, every month I'm like, okay, this month, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just try and chill out. I'm going to take one supplement that's been recommended by a physician. And let's just, let's just have sex when we have sex. If we can try and do it over the fertile window, more so over the fertile window, then great. But let's not be, let's not, let's not get so, cause I can get really sort of tunnel vision about these things. Um, but st- you know, but still I, at the end of, and I'm like, every time I'm like, I'm not going to take a pregnancy test. I'm just going to wait for the period to come. Like, but every single time at the end of a end of a cycle, I manage to convince myself that I'm pregnant because I don't know, my boobs feel different or because this hasn't come this time or because I have put on this much more weight than, you know, whatever it is. And Uh, and I'm not and it is exhausting it's exhausting and it's hard because I also think because I've made my period and public and fertility story relatively public you know it's on the passion mama blog I talk about it on Instagram a lot um I also fear that there's this sort of expectation that whenever I see someone after a few months that I haven't seen them you know now with like sort of lockdown lifting etc and you can see friends I'm I'm concerned that they'll be like are you pregnant or expect me to say I'm pregnant and I'm not and I think that's more in my head than theirs no one's thinking about me everyone's thinking about themselves I get that but I but I I feel like because it's out there I've got an additional layer of expectation to hit which is which is quite tough sometimes so I'm trying to now find ways of sort of relaxing and and being a bit more sort of like forgiving for my to my body and my my mindset more than anything else because the more I think about not being pregnant the more stressed or anxious I become and I think that that's obviously just terrible for your insides and your you know both physically and mentally so um, I'm actually we're running a, a yoga fertility course on Pashamama um, which I'm actually partaking in myself, which is great. It's only started last Friday, but I've been doing the practices and they're really sort of, if, even if it's more for my mental state, they're just really sort of grounding, which is good. But, yeah, that was a long answer, I know. But, yeah, it's it's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, it's... Um... What you said, it reminds me of, you said you had this feeling at the end of one cycle that you were like a stuffed turkey. Yeah. And it reminded me of this episode of Sex in the City where Charlotte was trying to get pregnant and she was doing all the things and then she finally goes to acupuncture because everyone was doing it and everyone got pregnant after doing acupuncture. And then by the end, she just, like totally loses it and I think it's really important when it comes to fertility for everyone to know that they're on their own individual journey and people are really well meaning and they want to share well this worked for me and that worked for me but in the end you have to figure out the right way for you of course there are supplements that are really great to take so you mentioned folic acid I typically will recommend folate because it's a natural form of folic acid um, Bolic acid has been linked to tongue tie and cleft palate um babies so that's just a little a little tip there, but knowing what supplements are right for you to take because you know you're still healing after being on the pill, and so what's right for someone with p c o s isn't necessarily going to be right for you as someone who doesn't have PCOS. But I think it's interesting because when we're trying to get pregnant and I think about my own journey as well, you just clutch at anything that you think is going to get you there because you're, and I'm speaking from my own experience, you're so desperate to get to that goal. You know, you want, you're so desperate to get pregnant that when I, if I could go back and speak to myself back then, I would say, calm down, you know, it'll happen, just enjoy the process, you know. And but it's hard because you lose perspective, completely lose perspective. So, I want to talk a little bit more about what you said about letting go and finding ways to let go. So, you mentioned the yoga fertility for fertility course that you're doing. What other ways are you? You, what other things are you using to let go
1: a little bit? I'm a terrible letter-goer, honestly. <laughs> um, but, I, but I mean, yoga in general, I only really started to do since lockdown. My husband was always into it. Um, and he sort of put, bought me a mat and pulled it alongside his, um, well, you know, um, at the start of lockdown. And I don't do it that often I don't, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a regular yogi, but I try and do at least once a week. And I do, whether it's fertility yoga or not, it's definitely helped me, um, get some space. Um, I use an app to try and meditate when I only, when I think I really, really need it. So sometimes, um, and again, this isn't just about the facility journey, just about sort of, um, whenever I get a little bit anxious with work or I feel slightly overwhelmed about stuff, I put on a 10 minute meditation and that, that sometimes really helps. I'm not better at saying I'm doing these things than actually doing them. Um, walking really helps getting outside. That's definitely a game changer for me. I, I also started running, which I normally used to hate, but um, I find that if I do it for more therapeutic reasons than um, physical ones, I really, really enjoy it. And it doesn't need to be long. So I guess either stillness or getting outside really, really helps with that.
0: That's really interesting, stillness. So it's like taking it back from this feeling of that you always have to be doing to this feeling of being. So he being a human being rather than a he- human doing, See what I did there? I like, um. <laughs> it, I like it a lot. Um, and it's really important that you're if you're going back to the basics. It's what do we need to sustain ourselves? So connecting with our breath, connecting with nature, connecting with these feelings that will then switch us into this parasympathetic calming state. Um, I love that. No. Talk a little bit about your business, Pasha Mama. You've mentioned it a few times. Tell listeners what what it is, what it's, and what why you started it.
1: Sure. So, Pashamama, Mama, as it is at the moment, is a a network of parents, mainly mums, mamas, um, and um, health practitioners in women's health and um, child and baby. Um, or baby and toddler experts that sort of come together to support um, women's transition into parenthood. Um, We do a whole bunch of free stuff um, through Instagram live and on zoom um, kind of talks um, and kind of Q and A's, but we also do a few sort of paid for courses um, that kind of go deeper on certain topics. The end game though, for passion mama was to always have a sort of physical space Or spaces across London. Um, And the idea is, whilst it's shifted online for COVID, um, either online or in in real life, is to create this sort of destination for women to come to, to sort of get back in touch with not who they were before their baby, but definitely, there's definitely a shift in identity um, when you become a mother. And so it's just to kind of give them a space to come to, to feel safe and supported whilst also giving them, even if it's a couple of hours in their day to kind of do what they need. So at the site we would have, you know, onsite childcare so that they could then work for two hours or have a coffee with friends or have a coffee alone or do a class or have a treatment. Um, And that's what I'm trying to create. Um, I think you know sharing knowledge and bringing people together and, and community is is a is a massive part of what I do in my day job um, and I wanted to kind of create that for I guess certainly the next stage of my own life because i if if I'm headed that way that's something that I desperately would like to have in existence when I get there because um, obviously i I'm not a mum yet um but i I before I started passion mama, I spoke to uh, a, a, a lot of women, mainly friends first, and then and then kind of their wider NCT groups, and did sort of surveys and 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 had sort of focus groups, and really sort of and it really be, you kind of hit home that a lot of the needs for I guess modern motherhood aren't necessarily met here in the UK at least, and so I wanted to see how I might be able to fill that gap and support them in ways that, that they need um, that they can't find sort of elsewhere.
0: I love that. And I love what you mentioned about that transition in identity, because it's certainly something that I experienced. And when I look at my friends who have had children, there is that identity shift and it's this push and pull where I've seen some of them really fall into this identity of being a mom, a mother And that becomes kind of all-encompassing for them. But then others have really struggled with that. And I always find it really interesting, of the French, how they say that actually being a, a mother is just one part of their identity. And they are really passionate about making sure that they are still in touch with the other parts of their identity and not kind of letting motherhood is important and it's part of them, but it isn't the only thing. Um, And I think that is something that, you know, a lot of us uh, need to, need to remember because it also makes you a better mother when you're kind of still in touch with the other parts of you.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And obviously I, it's like I said, I don't have firsthand experience, but we are all about, I feel really passionately about championing the woman behind the mother And as you say, that motherhood is just one part of who she is. So, so yeah, that's, that's my, that's what we're doing. And that's Mm -hmm. what I hope to hope to create, um, create, yeah, pretty, pretty quickly in a physical space when that time is right.
0: So if, if listeners are really interested in what, um, you're saying, they're really interested in Pasha Mama, where can they find you?
1: So, um, a lot of our free content is on IGTV. So Instagram is probably a really good place to start. Our handle is at Pashamama.london. Um, and then everything from our courses to a little bit more about who we are and like, we have a podcast and, and, um, a blog. Um, it's, I think it's www.pashamama-london.com.
0: So all of the links will be in the show notes. Thank you. If listeners take one thing out of all of the brilliant things that you've shared, what would you want that to
1: be? That's a really (laughs) hard question (laughs) to answer. Um, I think it's that don't be afraid to talk about stuff. I kept my period not coming out story for a really long time. And I felt really anxious because I felt like I was on my own and I had done this to myself and and, um, no one else can understand what I'm going through. Um, But as soon as I put it on the blog that I came off the pill and it took me ages to get my period back, the number of women that got in touch with me to say I was going through the same thing uh, was overwhelming. And I think if we don't talk about the stuff that is scary or uncomfortable or embarrassing or whatever, then it will always be shrouded in secrecy because no one can get any information about it because no one's talking about it. Um, you know, I I got some really bad advice once. I, I When I told a friend of mine, she was pregnant with her second child. She was like, whenever you decide to come off the pill and start trying, don't tell anyone, like just don't. And I was like, okay, fine, why? And she was like, because people will just keep asking, are you pregnant, are you pregnant, are you pregnant? And it'll make you feel like shit when you're not. And I was like, okay, that's actually pretty sound advice. Then I told one of my closest friends, I said, don't make a big deal about this. Please don't ask me any questions, but I've come off the pill. I'll let you know when I'm pregnant. Just don't ask me about it poor girl <laughs> she, she then she, then I put and that and then like a few months later I, re- I put this story of my period and coming off the pill and getting my period and you know being you know com- coming late and stuff on the blog and she messaged me and she was like that friend messaged me and said you know you'd ask me not to ask you about it but I'm in a similar position And I didn't know if I could bring it up with you because you told me not to talk to you about it. But I've just read on your blog that we're going through the same thing and let's talk about it now. And I I actually, I called her and I was like, I'm so sorry I ever said that to you. There's no way that you should tell anyone not to talk to you about, like, you know, like I I think about it now and I'm like, obviously we should be talking about these things all of the time. If, yeah, if someone were to ask me, Oh, why aren't you pregnant yet? I could say I actually really don't want to talk about it if that's okay, and shut that shut that conversation down. But I can't. My whole thing about Pashamama is sharing and knowledge and information, and I can't not do that myself. Which is, I think, why I've become really open about sharing my my story and and saying, yeah, we're not pregnant yet, and we've been trying since October. Um, it's coming up to a year. And trying to kind of be okay with that, because if I'm okay with that and I can, if I feel comfortable talking about it, then other women in the same situation will be able to feel less alone and supported. And so there is massive safety in numbers and there is kind of strength in seeking help and asking stuff. And so, yeah, I, I, I think if there's one thing you take away is to just talk about stuff, to share 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 as as much as you feel comfortable with obviously but just know that you're likely not alone in something that you're experiencing so yeah
0: that is brilliant those are great words to leave us on there's strength in seeking help and it's okay to share talk about stuff thank you so much for coming on the show Aria and thank you so much for sharing your story
1: oh it was was absolute pleasure I could talk to you for hours (laughs) Lenise
0: For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at period story Pod, or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Linise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.